The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. All right. I was conflicted today what I should wear. I have Eagles underwear on. I shouldn't tell you that. Just kidding. So so they they play tonight, right? But I I know that I'm at at Cairn University, so I'll be polite, and I'll I'll take my Philly. Is it all right to take the Philly thing off? Keep it on? You know what? It's really hot. So the illustration's cool. (laughs) But uh, Phillies play tonight. Eagles play when? Sunday, right? So hopefully the pastor preaches quick. It's a 1 o'clock game, and then uh, we'll, we'll do that. Some of you are from our, our church, Living Hope. Who goes to Living Hope Church? Anybody here? Yeah, yeah. Really appreciate Karen's students coming out to Living Hope. It's just up the road. I used to be a pastor there for a little bit, and I've done a bunch, bunch of stuff, but I am the president of Productive Life. I have some friends over here, one from the Dominican Republic, Richie Vallette. Say hi. Richie's here. Uh, he's a missionary. That's, that's good. That's enough. Richie's a good friend of mine. He's also on the board of uh, Santiago Christian School in the Dominican Republic, where my daughter taught. And uh, he is the chaplain for the baseball and soccer teams in the Dominican Republic. So if you're interested, we're going to have lunch over at the MAC. Hopefully you have money. Uh, over at the MAC with him and uh, Professor Fainis just talking about some opportunities either to teach in the DR or to maybe play professionally in the DR to do that. And I have my friend here, uh, John Murphy. Murph, we call him. He's our youth, our youth pastor at our church at Living Hope. A lot of you know him. It's good to have him here. And my friend, Mike Macarales, who is a friend of mine and a donor and a partner down in Kensington. We were just in Kensington the other day. And really special guests. They flew in from California or drove in from California. My, <laughs> my son, Ryan, and my daughter-in-law, Chelsea Garvin, and they're graduates of 2015. See, you can do it. And I graduated as well. So just some, uh, it's fun to have some people here to support you and to do that. Uh, again, Productive Life, you just saw the video. We were just down there yesterday with a group of people from Riverstone Church and some others. And we got to go into the school that you see at the end. That's Willard Elementary School. If you've ever seen Abbott Elementary, there's a show called that about Philly, kind of based on some of the schools there. So we got to go into there. We, we adopted them, Riverstone Church. If some of you go to Riverstone Church, uh, they adopted uh, this school, and they've raised a lot of money to help some of the students there. A public school that they allow us, uh, a productive life, as well as a church called Cornerstone Church in Kensington. So the whole idea is we, we do recess for 700 kids, which is crazy. They come out at different times, but we do those games with them. We do Family Fun Day there. Uh, also, we supply some school supplies for them, some clothing. The kids uh, have to wear uniforms, so we buy some of that. And just the other day, talking to the counselor, who's Hispanic, and you got to talk in Espanol to her, which was really great. Uh, she said we just, uh, some of the needs that they have there, she's just saying they need coats. Like, how many coats do you have in your closet? Uh, these kids come to school without coats. And just about a month ago, there was a shooting on the school grounds uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning, kind of drug-related, not towards the students. Um, so that's the kind of neighborhood they live in. And even the counselor was saying, I said, how did, that ha- how did, that, how did it all work out with the students? Because she was a counselor. And she said, regrettably, some of the kids, one little girl, um, that was nothing to her. She wasn't there, but she's seen two shootings personally uh, in her life. So that's kind of the atmosphere down in Kensington, Philadelphia. So you want to join me? Yeah. So we'd love to have, if you ever want to come down, we have internships in the summer. And we do food distribution Thursdays and, fr- and uh, Saturday in South Philly as well. 
So, so if you want to join us, my card's out in the back, enough advertisements, but if you'd like to do that, that'd be great. Why don't we start, uh, I think, and thank you, Dean, for reading that. Um, just Nice. So you know, you've been at the shore, right? If you're not from this area, it's called the beach, other, way, other places. But if you got to the shore, there's this couple that were 60 years old. You're sitting there, that's old. Well, I'm close to that. <laughs> so 60 years old, and of course, they're walking across the beach, and what do they come? You've seen this, right? You've been walking across the beach. A lantern, a, a magic lamp. And so what do you do with a magic lamp? Yeah, you rub it, you know. You, You've probably done this, right? So they rub it, and of course the genie comes out and says, oh, 60-year-old couple, you've been probably married a long time. I'm going to give you each some, uh, some wishes, okay? So the woman's all excited. The wife's, you know, 60-year-old wife, she's excited. I've never been to Hawaii. Boom, two tickets to Hawaii in her hand. Boom, two vouchers for a hotel in Hawaii, which is really nice. She's so excited. Then the husband says, the 60-year-old husband says, oh, I'm sorry, darling, but... My wish is to have a younger wife. The genie says, so you're 60 years old. You want a younger wife? Poof, you're 90. <laughs> okay, we got it. I, I knew the math majors would get that. But so we don't always get what we wish for, do we? Some of you are wishing for good grades. Well, stop wishing and study, right? <laughs> Some of you hope and wish that the, the Phillies and the Eagles and the Flyers go on to championship games. Some of you are not. I got it. Some of you are wishing for a million dollars. Some of you guys, I used, to, I used to sit right there. I understand this. Some of you guys just hope the same girl dates you twice. You get it? But she comes back and wants Okay. Good. Maybe it's more serious issues. Maybe you're, maybe you're wishing that your parents would stay together. You know, you come to a Christian school, you think everything's going to be cool, everything's going to be okay, but maybe you're wishing that what happened to you as a child would not destroy your life. Maybe you're wishing that you meet the man or woman of your dreams right here at Cairn University. Met my wife here, Ryan, you did too. We both married up, definitely. Maybe you're wishing that some of the love people, people that you love become Christians. We're all looking for some kinds of things. These are, these are old rockers, Okay. That's Mick Jagger. Anybody know who Mick Jagger is? Rolling Stones. He sings this song. He still sings. He's like 110 years old. <laughs> he sings this song. I, can't, I, I don't always get what I wanted. I don't always get. Well, he, he sings that, right? And then Bono, he's, he still sings. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So all these old crooners, these old rockers are still singing those songs. But I think uh, when I've been traveling a lot and talking to people through the years, what people wish for, I usually come to the four categories. And these are the four categories, fame, fortune, power, and pleasure. You really can sum up everything everybody's looking for in songs or in life and love and relationships into fame, fortune, power, and pleasure. Now, those of you taking notes, okay, for those of you who are paying attention, fame, fortune, power, and pleasure is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong to be famous. It's nothing wrong to have a fortune as long as you're giving it to Karen or my organization, right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with having power or pleasure. But when they become idols, right, these wishes that we look for, and we're all in this room, probably some of those categories, you're like, I'm going to be famous one day. I'm going to come back and speak in chapel. I'm going I'm to give my money to, I don't know, some big athletic field or something. I'm going to have power. I can do this. And the pleasure of just getting to know I gave my money away. 
So these are the four things people wish for. And again, nothing's wrong in and of themselves. But when we look at this real quickly, fame is who knows me, right? Who knows me? Anybody have Facebook? Twitter? All right. LinkedIn? Does anybody have a phone here? All right. Most of us are on social media, and it's been good for our ministry to be on social media so people know what's going on. And, uh, but it's who knows me? That's what fame is like. Who's going to know me? And there's people, which I think is really interesting. There's people in the world today that are famous for being famous. Kardashian. Right? I don't even know what they do. <laughs> I'm sure one's a billionaire and they've done some. But there's people in, in, in the media that are famous for being famous. Not for doing anything great. I think it's some people that use their fame well. It's Tim Tebow. Now, Tim's done a lot of things, if you know who Tim Tebow is. But he's used his money and his platform for special needs things, for people with special needs. He's used it to promote Christian films. He's written some books, always promoting God. And I thought, wow, what a platform for fame for that. Even Nick Foles, if you remember Nick Foles, the last Super Bowl we had, you know, he came in and at the end, usually the guys go, I don't want to go to Disney World. He said, I give all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, millions of people watching you. And he said that. He uses fame for God. Fortune. Fortune is how much do I have? And I know you're all loaded here, and you got a lot of money, and you're still in debt. But the last few years, I've been working for Princeton University with students that have uh, lots of money. Actually, the university has 26, listen to this, 26 billion, with a B, endowment. So if you're smart enough to get in there, it's 6% of the people that apply get in there. Uh, if you're smart enough to get in there, they, they'll, they'll pay your way. So I'm like, holy cow. So I've sat with kids that are, uh, have lots and lots of money. One, uh, one student uh, got a job offer at uh, Goldman Sachs in Fifth Avenue, which is a financial, in his sophomore year, he got a job offer. And he was coming to our ministry and he um, really realized he's good with numbers and making money. And he said, you know what, Cam? I want to use my money and my fortune for God's glory. Here's a kid who was, uh, he's graduated now, but he had that mentality of, I'm going to make a lot of money. And I said, cool, <laughs> go make money, uh, but use it for God's kingdom. Doesn't mean he has to put it all in God's you know, kingdom, but he's going to use some of that for that. Power. Power is how much control do I have? Now, if you have a car and you've gone off campus and left the bubble here, you see there's what? An election coming up, right? And people are looking for power. Sometimes you'll see the signs. I don't even know if they're Democrat or Republicans. It just says vote for somebody, and you're like, they're looking. Some of the guys don't even know their platform, and they're just holding on to power more than they're really trying to help people. And so sometimes that power overtakes us. But if you can use your power for good, uh, we do a food distribution in Kensington, and uh, I live in Bucks County, and when I come back, I don't see the graffiti or the prostitutes. I don't see the, the drug addicts that I see downtown. And I'm thinking, God has blessed me. God, I live in Disney World, and I think a lot of us do. And so what can we do with that power that God has given us? Let's do, it for, let's do it for people that don't have that power. And then pleasure. How much fun can we have? It's all right having fun. I hope you feel like we're a little bit of having fun. Uh, but you can have fun as a Christian. We were just talking about that. Someone said to, to Richie they realized he was a chaplain and that he was fun. They didn't realize you could be fun in a Christian. So fun's okay until pleasure overtakes you, right, and takes you away from the things you have. But I'm going to look at a guy today that asks only for two things. He looks for two things. So if you have your Bibles on your phone or a hard copy, 
and I'll have it on the screen as well. Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9. Dean uh, read it, but we're going to read it again. His name is Eger, and he is, his name uh, in the Proverbs uh, is translated collector. So most of the Proverbs, as you know, is written by King Solomon, wise sayings. Few of them at the end are written by other people, and Eger is one of them. So he's kind of collected these things in the beginning. We don't have a whole lot of time, but the beginning of, of Psalm or Proverbs 30, he talks about, uh, I'm weary, I'm worn out. I'm too stupid to be a man to have understand anything of God. You're like, wow, nice. <laughs> but he's really just saying, you know, I don't have the ability to do what God wants me to do, so I really am asking you something. So in verse 7, verse 7, we'll break this down a little bit, and 7 and 9, he says this, Two things I ask of you, Lord, only two. If you had the chance to ask the Lord something, I would ask him for a lot of stuff. So he says two things. He's, he's asking for this prayer after saying, I don't think I'm equipped for all this, but I'm going to ask you for two things. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. So he said, I don't want these later. I want them now. Kind of a demanding prayer, but two things I ask you, Lord. Don't refuse me. Please don't refuse me before I die. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty or riches, but only give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may be too, um, too, have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and also dishonor the name of God. So let's break it down a little bit. The first part of this request is, I, I call it, give me an honest life. Give me an honest life. Keep falsehoods and lies from me. Anybody lie? Where's everybody's hand up? We all have lied, right? Somewhere along the line, if you don't have your hand up, you're like, I never lied, but you just lied, right? Okay. So he's asking to have uh, an honest life, a life of integrity. We were just talking about a friend of ours who uh, is principal of a school, and he used his credit card for some personal things. And um, that's not living an honest life. That's not living a life of integrity, right? So he asked for this. He asked for, can you give me an honest life? Life. Now, we all fail in that. We all lie sometimes. That dress looks really good on you. Like, does it? Uh, we need to realize that we can tell the truth in what? What does scripture say? In love. So we need to do that. There's a story told of four high school boys who couldn't res resist the temptation of skipping the morning class. Anybody ever do that? Oh, I'm sorry. There's professors here. Yes. So maybe in high school you did this. So they skipped the morning class, which is, you know, they did. And so they come in, and they talk to the teacher, and the teacher's like, oh, where have you guys been? Well, we had a flat tire. We were a little late. We had a flat tire. And she says, oh, that's fine. You missed the quiz, so why don't you sit down, and I'll ask the first question for the quiz. They get their pencil out and stuff like that. And she says, okay, which flat tire was it? Yeah, the boys are like, oh. <laughs> you ever been caught in a lie? And again, God can forgive you that. But if your life is, is, is characterized by lies, you've lost, you've lost trust. Someone said this way, you have, um, you have pockets full of uh, trust in your pockets, and you have, uh, you have integrity in your pockets, and it's full with integrity and, and, and honest life, right? And sometimes you blow it, and so some of, that, some of that stuff goes on the floor, some of that goes on there. But people understand, oh, Cam, you blew it this time, but I still see your life shows honesty and integrity. But sometimes you get to the end and there's no integrity, there's nothing left except the mint, you're in trouble, right? So yes, there's times that we blow it, there's times that we can ask God's forgiveness, but is your life characterized 
by an honest life. I don't think I would have asked for that. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me. And the world, I'll tell you right, most of us as Christians in here, I'll make the assumption, the world is watching us and Christian leaders if we blow it. Because they all know you're a Christian and they don't say anything to you. I thought you were a Christian. And you blew it and you lied. Right? And there is leaders and there's unfortunately many leaders that are falling morally uh, in this area. That they've been lying and bullying and sexual immorality and stuff. And they're lying to their congregations and lying to their thing. Can God forgive them? Yes. Can they be restored to ministry? Sure. Later on. Right? But what's the world doing? The world is watching us and to see if we live a life that's honest. So he asked for that. I got asked for uh, an honest life. What can we do? A couple examples real quick is uh, Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Man, he was a tax collector. Not a good job during the first century. Working for the Romans. Jesus changes his life. And this is what he does in Luke 19. He's dishonest. He kept some of the money for himself and gave some to the Romans, taking it from his fellow Jews. And he meets Jesus, and Jesus just said, he doesn't say anything about him lying and cheating. He just says, I want to meet you at my house, at your house. Uh, okay. So he goes, and what he does, he gives, he gives back half his possessions to the poor. And he would pay uh, people four times that he has cheated, four times more than he had cheated. So yes, he, he, he turned his life around. And if you're a Christian here today, he turned, he turned your life around to be an honest life. That's what he asked for. A bad example, Ananias and Sapphira. You know the story, your Bible students, right? They didn't tell what was going on to Peter. Holy Spirit convicts them, then kills them. And you're like, is that the point? <laughs> no, but that's the seriousness at that time, and with God, even today, the seriousness of a life of integrity to do that. So that's the first thing he asked for. Give me an honest life. Second one is to give me a humble life. Second request, his second wish, Okay. Having more than we need, having less than we need, both extremes, lose, lose. Somewhere in between is the beautiful concept known as contentment, right? Don't give me what I don't want. Don't give me what I want, but give me what I need. We were just kidding about, you know what these guys get paid? Whoo, lots of money. Lots of money. And some of them are using their fame and fortune and power to, to do good things. But don't give me what I want. I want a boat. I've been saying to my kids for years, I want a boat. And I really think productive lives could have donors on the boat to show them how much we care about them and they could give to the poor people. No, right? So there's things you, the things you need and the things that you want. What are those things? Even as a student, what are some things that you really need? What are some things that you want? I've traveled the world and done a lot of missions trips and I've been on garbage dumps Garbage dumps where we're building houses for people because that's where they allowed us to do this. And they were thrilled. I remember one place that I wouldn't even put my lawnmower in. We built this place, just a little shack, and we put it up, and cockroaches, no kidding, the whole wall was full of cockroaches going up the back. The lady next to me is her house, and she's crying. And she's crying because she's grateful. I start crying going, holy cow, how can we get the cockroaches out of here? So what do I need? What do I want? Yeah, I've seen people content in the worst physical uh, circumstances. And he says this too. He's, you know, he says later on, he says, give me my daily bread, right? 
And that comes back in Matthew. Give us our daily bread. Which also goes back to what? Egypt. Remember that? They just got enough bread every day. And then quails. And what, what was their reaction after a while? The Jews. I don't like this stuff. <laughs> it's the same stuff. Oh, I know. Don't say anything about the cafeteria. But you, sometimes you go, it's the same stuff, right? Hey, it's 100% better than when I was here. Right, Matt? Doctor? <laughs> it's totally different. So give us what you, uh, for our daily bread. What do we need for today? Maybe it's just bread. Manna, which just means what is this stuff? And then he gave them quails. And, the, and they, were, they were not satisfied. So working in Philly with most people, and just the other day, giving food out. And uh, we give food out with Cornerstone Community Church. Most people, I would say, are grateful. There's some people that are irrational and on drugs and get upset with us and they're not in line and all that kind of stuff. But most people, most people are just thankful. And it's usually, it's food from, I went to um, Target the other day, they give us food, fill abundance, other people give us food. And some of the food is the old Wawa food, it's like the scissor thing, like you would get today, is we give them out tomorrow. And I wouldn't eat that. And so, I would, but you know what I'm saying, but they're like, this, I'm so Grateful, thank you so much. And I've had people crying going, I didn't have enough food and enough money to get food for this month. And uh, give us our, our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Um, go back. Give me a humble life. Otherwise, I have, may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and also dishonor the name of the Lord. Life, everybody would love to win the lottery, Right? My neighbor's dad won the lottery. I didn't know that, George. And then I became his best friend. No. Um, George won the lottery. I don't know anybody that won the lottery. I don't even know how much he, he, he won. Uh, but life after winning the lottery, this is a, a statistic, uh, may not seem so glamorous. Listen to this. Whether it's 500 million or 1 million, about 70% of lotto winners lose or spend all their money in five years or less. Here's a story about Evelyn Adams. Evelyn made history, listen to this, lottery history when she won two multi-million dollar New Jersey prizes, one in 85 and one in 86. Wow. You think, she's lucky. Her total haul was $5.4 million. You know, they take some away. Like so many other winners, however, Adams couldn't get, over, uh, get out of her own way. She gambled much of the money away, uh, Gave too many gifts to family members, spent too much time, and made bad investments. According to Forbes, Adams blew it all and moved into a trailer at the end of her life. How much is too much? Bill Post was broke when he died in 26, uh, 2006, despite winning $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery. Didn't last long. Uh, he had, his ex-girlfriend sued him for part of his winnings. Figures, right? And his brother reportedly hired a hitman to kill him. <laughs> it's on the internet, must be real. <laughs> the real problem was that he, his lavish, uh, spending lavish lifestyle, bought houses, boats, cars, twin engine, plane that he wasn't even licensed to fly. <laughs> Not funny. It's sad. It's sad. So, how much is too much? Some people think, ah, I'm going to get this much money. Uh, Elon Musk today, I think it was uh, billions of dollars, he just bought Twitter. For some reason. He's got so much money. How much is enough? Paul says this to Timothy, a young pastor in, in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6, says, Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. What a formula. Godliness looking like Jesus and being content with what you have. 
Now listen, contentment is different than complacency, okay? You need to be content where God has you at this point in your life, but don't be complacent. Complacency is this. I'm an A student, but I think C's are good enough. That's complacency. I'm in a relationship, and I'm not, it's not a good relationship, but whatever. It's good enough. That's complacency. My relationship with the God could be better, but then I have to get up early or stay up late. I have to go to chapel. I have to do something for that. Don't be complacent in your Christian life, but be content with what you have. All right? You're here at Karen University. You may have some difficulties back home, but be content where the Lord has you at this point. Don't be complacent. So we want, to, we want to look at life in the sweet spot. What does that mean? I don't want to be too rich, although that's, it's hard, right? If I was rich, I know I would do better than these lotto losers, right? I know I would do better. But don't give me too much, Edgar says. Don't give me too little, because if I give too little, and I've worked with guys in the city, I just got to take that money and steal that so I can do this and that. And that must be hard when you have a family, right? If I just stole, sold this stuff, I could get that back to my family. So he's asking for a humble life. He's asking for a life that is contented. He's asking for a life that's in the sweet spot. And what that is is I'm not too rich, I'm not too poor, and I'm living a life of honesty and I'm honoring you, Lord. So I want to ask you today, are you living in the sweet spot? Are you living in that, that part where you have integrity in your life where the world can see? Are you living in, in this over here that you're content with what you have, with your fame, fortune, power, and pleasure? Are you content with that? Are you living that life? We had a lady at our church. Her name was Lydia. She was 97 years old. Anybody 97 here? Okay. Uh, although we were talking about somebody the other day that has a 104-year-old mom. But Lydia would come, and I was new pastor at the church, Living Hope, and she's a longtime member. She's just a little lady. Every time I preach, she'd come up and go, that was really, really good. And she always said, Jesus loves you. I'm like, thank you. I just really appreciate that. Because sometimes after a sermon, people don't say that. So she just came up there. Then Lydia, of course, um, uh, got sick. Uh, she had seven kids. Her husband's been gone. She lost one of her kids through her 97 years. And Lydia was always saying, saying Jesus loves you. So I get to go to her daughter's apartment. Lydia's in the bed. She's not doing well. It's kind of hospice situation. She's probably going to die within a few days. And, and I'm there as the pastor. And I got my Bible verses. And I got my theology all, all ready. And I'm going to encourage little Lydia. And she's just in the bed with a blanket. It's just a little thing. And uh, she grabs me. She grabs me by my face. She grabs me like this. 97 years. She grabs me, she grabs me by my face like this. And she says, Cameron, Jesus loves you. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'm here for you. And she goes, oh, no. Jesus loves you. That's what you want to wish for, huh? An honest life, a humble life. And I'll tell you today, Jesus loves you. If you're still working on these things, Jesus loves you loves you, and he wants you to have a life of integrity and a life of contentment. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for loving us. Thank you for loving us when we're not so lovely. Thank you for uh, our sanctification. It's not done. We don't look like you yet, but we're hopefully, all of us in this room, are progressing to be more like you, Jesus, to conform to your image. And Lord, we want to wish for a lot of things in life. But, Lord, help us to just to have the things that we need 
Lord, help us to live a life that people go, that, that guy or that woman really says what they mean, means what they say. They're honest. And then a life, Lord, that the people are content, whether they live in a mansion or have a boat, or they live in Philadelphia and Kensington and on the street. Lord, I pray, Lord, for this group and myself that we could have a life in the sweet spot right there in between. And Lord, when we blow it and we're not in the sweet spot and we're dishonest and we're not content, Lord, I thank you for, for what you say. If we confess our sins, we are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I know that verse, Lord, because I say it a lot. So I pray for anybody here that just needs to repent in that area, get back on track, ask for forgiveness, and keep moving. I pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening.